You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So the plan for today, for the most part at least, is to kind of look at a little bit of news and notes. There really isn't much, but we're going to really analyze it. Beyond that, uh, you know, I don't know. Speaking of, uh, I don't know, still waiting on the Jack 54, man. What's going on? You're hurting my feelings now. I hope you didn't bail on yesterday's uh, episode. Or bail on the podcast. I won't be too, I'll probably just reach out today if he doesn't. I'll be nice. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess you gotta go back and listen to yesterday's episode all the way through, because, you know, a little bit of information for you, dude. I gave away the PFF thing, that's 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 what the news is. Anyways, if you have any questions, comments, concerns for the show, please text or call 608-501-0718. Text or call 608-501-0718. Otherwise, be sure to click on the link of links. It takes you to a magical, wonderful world filled with links to Packers merchandise, ways to support the show, and, of course, the Facebook group. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. First up, and I'm not going to hang on this topic too long because I know some of you get super sensitive about it. Also, he's not a packer anymore. But Lance Kendricks apparently uh, was officially sentenced for marijuana possession last year. Here's the thing. I understand... People freaking out about, it shouldn't be illegal anyways. Here, here's my issue. Fine. Keep it in your house. I'm not going to give you any leeway when you take something that's illegal, you put it in your car, and then you speed down the highway. 
like Aaron Jones, was it the year before? Like, I'm not only going to smoke weed, but I'm going to do it in my car, driving 90 miles an hour, which when you're stoned is basically like 700 miles an hour, in, what was it, like a 35 or something crazy? I'm sorry, I'm not cutting you or any of your friends any slack when you're doing that. And here's the thing, that's the only reason anybody ever gets in trouble for it. Nobody's kicking down your door because nobody actually cares that much. Just stop smoking in your car and speeding. Stop doing that. You're losing millions of dollars. And with Kendricks, you can't even do what I did with Aaron Jones, where it's like, well, he's young. I mean, I can kind of look back at myself being young and, you know, can't really talk too much. Kendricks? Dude is basically like 90 in football years. He's watched, I don't know how many teammates probably get in trouble for this exact same thing. And at this point, he's He's as old as I am. He's not a young man. He's an old man. And that's dumb. And he knows it. Sometimes I think these guys get bored. And it's like, you know what I want to do? I want to get arrested. I'm just, I'm just going to go get arrested today. You know, like football players in the offset. What, what do you, you, you can go out and, you know, go to Vegas and get in trouble. You can go on vacation and disappear for a while. You can go train to try to become a better football player. You can do charity work, you know, surprise kids at a at a hospital and be like, hey, I'm a football player. What's up, guys? Or I can go get arrested. And sometimes, you know, you're missing the thrill of like the crowd cheering. It's like, I'm looking for a rush. I'm going to go get me arrested. Stop doing that. And as somebody that has to drive on the road, even though I'm not as scared of you as I am the people who are texting and driving, please stop, because I've, I've, I'm not buying it, all right, I've been there, don't give me this thing where it's like, I'm fine, I'm not impaired, yes, you are, you're very impaired, I remember, remember having almost a meltdown at an intersection, because the car was coming up to the, you know, oncoming stop sign, and I didn't know what to do, you're very impaired, stop it, sorry, I'll keep it above, I'm just saying, why do you guys have to be so dumb? You have so many awesome options. Help people, go on a sweet, awesome vacation, and nobody's even going to be mad at you. You're supposed to be training really hard to make more millions of dollars. But if you don't, and you just go sit on a beach and drink pina coladas, and then hop on a private jet to go to Vegas for a day, because why not, and then fly off to California, just just fly around, blow all your money, nobody cares. Just stop getting in your car with marijuana and driving 90 miles an hour down the road. That's not even fun. Why are you even still in Wisconsin? Well, I guess September, you gotta, gotta kind of come back. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're, maybe that is, you are, you were in like party mode and then it's like, all right, you gotta come back to football and you're like trying to wean yourself off party mode and there's some overlap. But just, just like, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just trying to see guys succeed. That's all. Especially 45,000 year old football players who maybe have a shot at one more contract. Just want to see you succeed, man. But if you feel like that tight end money has got you locked up for the rest of your life, best of luck to you. Sorry, I, I haven't gone on a tirade in a while. I needed something. Um, moving on from whatever news that was, and looking at the uh, the division here, there's some some talk, and it might just be talk like, you know, all the talk about Aaron Rodgers, in other words, nonsense. But there's some talk that maybe Marvin Jones isn't long for his, you know, tenure in Detroit. That personally would make me very happy. Not because Marvin Jones is necessarily an elite football player. Marvin Jones is, is 
in my opinion, the perfect number two. Not perfect. I mean, you know, an elite wide receiver would be perfect. But he, he's essentially what all I'm really looking for in a Packers wide receiver. And I, and I think Marquez or EQ, whoever it's going to be, I think somebody's going to reach that Marvin Jones status. But it's one of those positions where by himself in a vacuum, he's not anything super special. But the Lions with him and the Lions without him are a night and day different team. Because they go from having a reliable number two target that is a compliment to Kenny Galladay to essentially just not having a guy. That's especially after they already moved on from Golden Tate. Uh, they did bring in Danny Amendola. I don't really know how well that's going to work out. I mean, Danny Amendola is very similar to a lot of other people where he shows a lot in New England because he's in New England. It's nothing against Danny Amendola, um, but he, I mean, he got schemed open a lot. And they had a very accurate quarterback throwing to a very accurate wide receiver, and he ended up catching a lot of passes and getting a lot of receptions and a decent amount of yards. And you look at the stat sheet, and it's like, dude, Danny Amendola's pretty good, but he's going to Detroit now. Nothing really against Detroit, but it's not the Patriots, as much as Matt Patricia might want it to be. And um, as far as his contract, it's not, it's not really prohibitive one way or another. It's not super expensive to the point where it's like, we got to offload him because of this, but it's also not either so expensive or you know with so many so much dead money that they wouldn't dare get rid of him they lose like two and a half million bucks basically just his signing bonus money over the next two years which actually being that it's beyond uh, June 1st it's really just next year's so it's two two and a half million bucks to get rid of him and uh, so I you know I don't really see them moving on this year necessarily but it's one of those things where on on every team you got to kind of gauge growth but also you know, this is a team that's trying to, to grow and get better. But part of growing is, is stopping the erosion, right? Net profit is what? It's how much you brought in minus how much you lost. And with the offense, for example, I think their offensive line got worse after losing TJ Lang. Then if you lose Marvin Jones, your wide receiving group is getting worse. And who did you bring to replace him? There's nobody here. I mean, you brought in Danny Amendola in the slot, but that was to replace Tate and you moved backwards. I mean, you can if you want to count T.J. Hawkinson and Jesse James at tight end, fine, you can do that. But I, I guess I'm just cheering for erosion of other teams in the NFC North as the Packers are getting better. And one of the things that you kind of look for is where is the talent on the team? Is it primarily loaded up in older people or younger people? All right, again, with the Packers, obviously Aaron Rodgers is up in age. Devontae's got several years left. I'm sure Bakhtiari's got another massive contract coming. You know, Balaga is pretty much the only one really on his way out. All the other wide receivers are unbelievably young. And then you look at the defense, it's just, I mean, Kenny Clark is like 15 years old. Mike Daniels maybe is going to be gone pretty soon, but we've got a lot of defensive line talent. We've got a ton of, of new edge rushers, all with, you know, four years stacked up on their contracts. The corners are all young. The safeties are all new and young. The linebackers are relatively young. The team is just ridiculously young. It's just a matter of how much talent is there. But if there's talent, this is the team that's going to be around for a long time. But as far as actual young talent, what do they what do they really have going for them right now? Um, you know, young being what twenty seven, we'll say. Kenny Galladay, Carryon Johnson, T.J. Hawkinson. That's pretty solid. Taylor Decker, twenty five. But Amendola, Marvin Jones, Wagner on the right side, Stafford. Uh, Defensively, it's like the, I think they pretty much just have flowers. Snacks Harrison is like 30. Darius Slay, I think, is 28 going on 29. They don't really have too much else on defense to look at. So I don't know. I mean, it, they, they've just got that issue where you've got to bring in people quicker than you're losing people. 
but I guess uh, Marvin has had some knee issues. He missed the entire offseason program, which isn't that big of a deal, especially for a veteran. Um, you know, he, he's got, you know, they got a new offensive coordinator in Darrell Bevel, so he's got to learn some stuff, but I don't think that's that big of a deal. It's it's really just a matter of, you know, a, a, a 29-year-old guy with a knee issue is, is really what it is, and, and young, aspiring people trying to come up, he's going to have a hard time just trying to, to fight his way to the top of, of the the food chain. Speaking of knee issues, Ashawn Robinson, uh, big Alabama defensive lineman, also had some issues. I guess that led to some uh, conditioning problems, which to be fair, when you're talking about a 330-ish pound dude, there's a real fine line between being what the Lions want you to be and being overweight, right? Like, I want you to eat about 6,000 calories a day, but I mean, if you even miss leg day once, you're you're way, way off. I mean, a pound is what, 3,500 calories? He's eating probably double that in a day just to maintain this massive frame to be able to work out as hard as he does and still be as big as he is. It's easy to see how a knee issue could make you a little bit overweight. But again, it's it's something that doesn't make you super happy because you got a young guy, you want him to take a step forward. He essentially took a step back from his rookie year to his second year. Now he's got a knee issue and he's got he's overweight and he's got conditioning problems in minicamp and it's it's just again, it's just the Lions, man. It's just everything kind of on paper looks like, man, they they could kind of be good and then it's like, well, what's going on with Marvin and Ashawn, is he getting better? No, he's getting worse. Again? Yeah, again. You know, I just, I don't know. Not like he's super central to the team, but he kind of is. I mean, the defensive line is quote-unquote good if we just look at all-around all player and don't necessarily look at the fact that we're looking for pass rushers. And if you don't get the production out of Trey Flowers that he had in New England and Ashawn Robinson is not getting better and, you know, we don't have anybody on the opposite side aside from Deshaun Hand, who is sort of a converted defensive tackle... Not really converted, but I mean, he's he's sort of like the, the hybrid. He's a defensive tackle, defensive end guy. He's not much as far as pass rush. And the defensive line is sort of the, the calling card of your entire defense. It's just, it's not good, man. And once again, you have Matt Stafford and some weapons trying to drag the whole team. And by weapons, I mean Matt Stafford and one wide receiver and some people that we hope are going to be good, but, you know, probably won't be all that good. Carry-on will be fine if he can stay healthy. I don't know, I should stop talking because then the Lions are just going to destroy us twice this season and I'm just going to sound dumb. Chicago Bears, not a whole lot going on. They're hyping up their running back, but it's all a bunch of nonsense. For example, I'll give you this headline from Adam Jans of The Athletic. David Montgomery was, quote, a problem for the Bears' defense during OTAs. As much as I hate to be that guy, come on, man. OTAs? I mean, I get that he's smooth and he's, I mean, everybody that you, you know... If you draft a guy because he's good at certain things and he shows you that he can do those same things, especially when there's no opposition, he's just running routes, and it's like, wow, look how good he is. Like, I know, you saw that in his college film. What does that have to do with anything? That was never really a question. I don't know what we're even talking about here, but I don't know. Again, I'm not going to talk bad because I even said David Montgomery, I think, is... Now, let's also keep in mind, David Montgomery was like my 1B as far as running backs last year. But I can tell you right now, go watch Travis Etienne. And, and and as I watched him, I realized how bad this running back group was. Because I watched Travis Etienne, and it's like, I I don't know if you remember or were listening during the draft thing. There were like three or four players where I said I got chills watching them. Instant chills watching Travis Etienne. 
Right, I got a little bit of that chill from David Montgomery. ETN is miles ahead of David Montgomery, and I barely even started watching him. But for the running back class, what it was, I did like David Montgomery. He almost kind of, in a way, reminds me of Aaron Jones, where he doesn't necessarily have the breakaway speed or anything. But as far as his you know, elusiveness in tight spaces, the ability to take a three-yard run and make a guy miss in a tight window and turn the three-yard run into a six-yard run, that's kind of where David Montgomery stands. We'll see what he has as a route runner. I didn't see a lot of that in college, but Bears fans think he's going to be fantastic at that, which imagine that. The same fans that are causing the sports betting world to say that Mitch Trubisky is the hottest bet to win MVP, which, yes, the, please understand, sports betting, as much as it's all about analytics, they're, they're more so playing the fan base than anything else. So when his odds are way better than they should be, it's because Bears fans will bet it. Because they know Bears fans are going to come out and just bet. They're going to take the over on Trubisky. And they're dumping tons of money on Trubisky. And I was actually just listening to uh, the, the Bears podcast, The Bear Report, the, the one that I, I had Zach Pearson on. And they were talking about what his line was, and they, they were shocked at how low it was. And they said they were shocked because they, they know Bears fans are going to come out and bet it. And that's what they did. So the... the the odds for him to win MVP were like 200 to 1. Bears fans were outraged, dumped a ton of their money, you know, that, that big Chicago money, down on Mitch Trubisky, and then you get articles talking about, oh, he's, he's the hottest bet in sports, which isn't a lie, it's true, but it has nothing to do with how good Trubisky is. It has everything to do with how mm, overly optimistic Bears fans are, which I just think is hilarious. But hey, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. If they think it's fun to, you know... I mean, you should see the lake houses they buy up here in Wisconsin. They don't mind losing some money. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just overly excited for the season to start. I can't wait. You talk about it over and over and over again, and I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see David Montgomery play. The football fan in me is super excited because it's not just that I want Trubisky to fail so that I can laugh at Bears fans. I just legitimately want to see what he's going to do. I'm curious. Is he going to take a third-year leap? Because that changes the dynamic of the NFC North so much. David Montgomery, yeah, kind of. It's going to make it problematic, especially as, as good as the offensive line was. It's not elite, but it's good enough that where it can cause some pretty serious problems. I mean, we're not talking about Dallas offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott, where it was just like, there's nothing you can do. But if you can complement that with Trubisky taking a step, and that Bears defense hopefully, you know, for the Bears fans' sake, not taking a step back, that's going to be problematic. On the flip side, you get this overly aggressive defense, which again, Bears fans are all excited. Yeah, blitz like crazy, which is not going to be great because, you know, there's going to be more pressure on Aaron Rodgers. However, there's going to be a lot of guys open. That defense was good because it worked as a unit. It was the zone scheme that caused corners who've never really been that good to suddenly have great years. It was that system that caused a fourth round draft pick to be the best safety in the NFL, also causing Adrian Amos to be the year prior, like the third best safety in the NFL. And I'm not saying they're bad football players. I'm saying it was Vic Fangio and his scheme that caused them to be a little better than they were, which is also why I think Adrian Amos maybe isn't quite as good as he was with the Bears, but he's still going to be good. But again, please change your scheme. Please bring extra pressure. As much as I hate to, to say that, because I don't want more aggression from that Bears defensive line, I think that that actually perfectly complements um, both Aaron Rodgers as well as Matt LaFleur with this sort of scheme where 
over-aggression is exactly what the Packers are attacking. It's exactly what the Rams attack. They love aggression. Please be aggressive. Be aggressive at the quarterback. Make your linebackers like Roquan Smith be overly aggressive, flowing in one direction. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want you to do because we're baiting you in one direction. We're throwing the other direction, and everybody is so out of position because you're running so fast in the wrong direction that a two-yard pass becomes a 15-yard play. I don't know how we got here, but I <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, let, let's see what else is going on. As far as Vikings news, um, it's not super great so far. Again, it doesn't super matter. But let's not forget, they also have a new offensive coordinator. There's a lot of new offensive coordinators. Really, the Bears are the only team that doesn't have one. And part of the issue is going to be how quickly can they learn and digest this. If you go back last year and look at the Titans offense, it was kind of a tale of, of two offenses. On one hand, I absolutely loved it because it did what it was supposed to do. They'd run the ball with zero success, which kind of scared me. But they would run the ball with no success, but then they would pass the ball and there was somebody wide open. It was the most beautiful thing ever because they don't have an elite quarterback. They don't have elite wide receivers. They don't have elite tight. Well, Delaney's pretty solid. But these guys were just open. The scheme did what it was supposed to do. On the other hand, there was timeouts when you should not have been taking timeouts. There were guys not sure what to do. There was a lot of extra time spent in the huddle explaining things and talking about things, which maybe has something to do with the whole we call two plays thing and people at the line of scrimmage, wide receivers screaming, what's going on? Wait, what? That's a concern for the Packers, but it's also a concern for the Lions and it's a concern for the Vikings. And apparently, according to Tom Pelissero, in OTAs, you know, the, the defense was really just dominating the offense, which is to be expected, and dominated doesn't mean much in OTAs, but there was confusion. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to line up. They're trying to learn this new system, and, and now you've got a second-year quarterback who's got a ton of money, and the difference between the Packers and the the Lions and the Vikings is that I, I, you know, you look at the Vikings, and they've got an offensive line that's not great, and it's been shuffled around a lot. You've got a quarterback that's only in his second year with the system, as opposed to Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. It just seems like there's going to be a little bit more growing pains for a team that can't afford that. If the Vikings are going to get back on top, it's going to be because they have a dominant offense and their defense gets back to being dominant. That's what propelled them to being so good. That's what made them... I mean, if you take the 2017 Vikings and the 2018 Bears, I, I know the Bears' defense was better than the Vikings. I don't know that the Vikings don't just smack the ever-loving daylights out of the Bears, though, because that offense was also so awesome. I don't know that the Bears' offense does anything against that Vikings' defense. It was dominant. So you've got a low-scoring game, but the Vikings offense has every opportunity and ability to be able to score against the Bears. I think they were a better football team. So the reason I'm making a big deal about it is because the Vikings have to get back to that, and it kind of feels like they have to take a step backwards before they can move forward. And I don't know if they're what they're moving forward into. Just like the Packers, I don't know what's going to happen with this offense. The Lions, I don't know what's going to happen with that offense. But it seems like at the very least there's going to be some some struggles out of the gate. And that's going to be tough for a lot of teams. Um, you know, the the, the Packers... Despite having a lot of home games, they start off against some really tough teams. You know, the the Bears on the road week one is going to be a really, really, really tough test for a team that is learning a new system. However, the, the Vikings don't have it all that much easier. They got the Falcons, they've got the Packers, which, you know, we'll see what that amounts to. The Raiders, they should be able to do some damage to. And then they've got the Bears. So I, I guess as far as defenses go, that's pretty easy three-week schedule, depending on what happens with the Packers. And and I actually think the Packers are going to be tough, if for no other reason than Mike Pettin is very good at at confusion. And that's essentially what the Tom Pelissero report was, is that they were trying to use the defense 
to confuse Kirk Cousins or at least show him different crazy kind of looks to get him up to speed. The problem is, on one hand, he's trying to learn the basics of an offense. On the other hand, the diff- the the head coach and the defensive coordinator are trying to throw the absolute the the kitchen sink at him, and it resulted in basically a report that the Vikings offense looks discombobulated and horrible. Those are my words, but still, it's it's not great. Beyond that, my favorite Minnesota Viking, Mr. Chad Beebe, Don Beebe's son, possibly the number three wide receiver option, which isn't saying a ton because their number three wide receiver is the worst wide receiver I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, the, the, the Packers actually won games against the Vikings because of Laquan Treadwell. That's how bad he was. I mean, when, when you're in a tight, contested, divisional game, and you've got a wide receiver that's dropping about 50% of the balls thrown to you, that's so bad. And the fact that they haven't found anyone to replace him is ridiculous. And here, here's actually probably the bigger problem. It's not that they don't have somebody that's better. It's basically the fact that, similar to what Mike McCarthy always used to do, he's a first-round draft pick. So he's going to go out and he's going to play. Right? When we go three wide, Laquan, you're out there. Because you're a first-round draft pick, you will go out and play. problem is he's terrible. And that was always my frustration with the Packers. I know he was drafted early, but he's garbage. Can we please put in that undrafted free agent that at least tries hard? But the Vikings just, to our benefit, refused to give up on Laquan Treadwell. He's terrible. And I'm not trying to pick on Mike Mayock, but apparently something happened when he came to the NFL because here's what Mike Mayock had to say about Laquan Treadwell, who has about the worst hands of anybody I've ever seen. Quote, we all know he ran a 4.6540 at his pro day, so either you believe in him in his game or you don't. He's a natural hands catcher and will win 50-50 balls. He's also one of the best blocking wide receivers in the draft. He's physical, tough, and has great hands. I think the Vikings got a winner. Here's the problem. Laquan Treadwell came in as lacking athleticism in a very, very serious way. A 4.65 is straight-up trash. So it comes down to you being a good enough route runner and having great hands. If you have this kind of athleticism and your hands just apparently go to trash, which I don't know how that happens. I'm assuming Mayock watched a lot of his film and he was not doing what he does in the NFL, so I'm, I'm going to give Mayock a pass. I didn't watch him. I don't know. But this guy's not going to amount to anything. It's like a quarterback who can't do anything, but he's super, super accurate, so you take a shot on him, and then he comes into the NFL and he has no accuracy. He's got nothing. Get rid of him. But yeah, there's, there's not really a ton of competition, which is probably why Chad is going to be the number three guy. It, it really is Diggs and Thielen, and that's it. And that's fine, because it, you know, arguably the best duo in the NFL, so, I mean, whatever. But, I mean, come on, do something to get a better number three. And then finally, for Vikings news, and I just, I just don't get it, man. St. Paul Pioneer Press, Chris Tomasin, reports Vikings cornerbacks Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander are candidates for extensions. What are you doing? Remember that whole thing I said about bringing in new people to replace these older guys? Old or, in some cases, bad football players? I feel like this is just financial illiteracy. All you guys are doing is holding on to the same players, and these guys aren't even that good. You're Kyle Rudolph? You're extending Kyle Rudolph. And Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, they're not even good football players. I mean, Mackenzie had a good year last year. It was his first good year ever. Maybe he can maintain that. I don't know. Trey Waynes has been the same guy since his rookie year. He's, he's average. 
So maybe I could see locking up Mackenzie Alexander because you saw something similar to what the Packers did where it's like, all right, we finally turned the corner. Let's lock him up now while he's relatively cheap because he's going to just take off. Trey Waynes ain't getting it. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess he's this is year, what, year five for him. So if you're going to keep him, you got to extend him. At, so I just, man, I mean, how much are you going to, I mean, maybe if you're getting super discounted rates, it's not a big deal. But I'm, I'm just looking at the future. And seeing where all this money is tied up, and it's it's like, I mean, first of all, you're way overpaying for your quarterback, as everybody knows. Next year, Kirk Cousins is getting paid $31 million. Stephon Diggs, 14.5, which I guess, I don't know, we got to see what he does this year. If Stephon Diggs is 2017 Stephon Diggs, 14.5 is a steal. Daniil Hunter, 14 million is a pretty solid price. Everson Griffin, 13.9, we'll see. I mean, there's really no big money, but the amount of over $10 million guys is crazy. Riley Reef, 13.2, Linval Joseph, 13 million, Xavier Rhodes, 13 million, Adam Thielen, 13 million, Anthony Barr, 12.7, Harrison Smith, 10.7, Eric Hendricks, oh my goodness, $10 million, that hurts. You extended Kyle Rudolph, he's making 9.4 next year, 9.4. It's not quite as bad as giving Jimmy Graham 11, but that's pretty bad. I mean, are, are we, and this is this is 2020 money. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about that's money for next year. Next year where you guys are $12 million in the hole. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're both free agents next year, so you got to do something. But you're just, you're, you're going to add to that $12 million. I mean, even if it's just, I don't know, whatever. It's, that's crazy. You got to pay your kicker, Dan Bailey. I'm, I doubt you're going to let him go. You don't want to endure more years of having a kicker that can't make a field goal. I have to assume Laquan Treadwell is gone. Anthony Harris um, kind of broke out last year, so you're going to have to re-sign him. If he has another big year, he's going to want big-time money. If Anthony Harris can duplicate what he did last year, that's that's a bank-breaker right there. I just I just don't get it, man. I don't know how you just keep digging that hole. And then what, you're going to push more money out again? You understand what happens, right? You, you, so you cut a few people, you shuffle money around and push it out into the future so that in 2021, instead of being $12 million in the hole, you're $40 million. I mean, it just it just keeps getting worse. I mean, this is this is a bubble about to burst. You have to stop. You can't throw big money at bad players. And although Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes aren't usually the kind of guys you want to get rid of because they're not that old, I mean, Waynes is going to be 28. Still, you got. I mean, I'm I'm happy you're you're continuing on this track because by the time you get a new quarterback to replace the one you're overpaying, this whole thing you're you're in full rebuild mode at that point. Which which if you were smart about this, you would be able to maintain a good enough team, go out next year and get you a a top quarterback, or the year after get a top quarterback that's going to come into a team that's pretty stocked, right? You've got a good defense, you've got your wide receivers, you got all this stuff. By the time that guy gets on the field and starts, you're in the midst of your purging process. So essentially, you're in win now with Kirk Cousins. And if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm looking at this and saying, we got to clean up our mess. And I'm not saying tank. Let's do our best. But let's not let's not throw away the future to try to win right now around Kirk Cousins, which is essentially what the Vikings are doing. We're damaging our future so that we can win today with Kirk Cousins. And best of luck to you. I kind of get it. As long as you've got your defense, let's do everything we can to, to keep guys together, right? Let's overpay Kendricks and give him $10 million to stay here. Let's overpay Rudolph because we just got to keep our guys. I don't even know why he's, I mean, whatever. I guess they, you didn't have to extend. I would rather cut him than extend him. You want to save the money, fine. Get rid of him. You got Irv Smith now. 
but 2020 is Kirk Cousins' last year. So 2020, you draft somebody, you know, get, I don't know, Jake Fromm if he falls to you. Let him sit behind Cousins. Stroll him out there in 2021. But again, you got nothing left in 2021 unless you can draft well. But teams that draft well don't feel a compulsive need to keep everybody together. You have no problem letting guys go because you got somebody better and cheaper and younger and more athletic and more driven waiting in the wings behind them. Which is maybe more telling than anything. Why do you have to desperately hang on to everybody? Why are you throwing so much money at your wide receivers? Probably because behind Thielen and Diggs, there's nothing. Because despite Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes not being that good, there's nothing else. Yeah, Mike Hughes. Oh, Mike Hughes, he's going to be so good. Okay, maybe. I don't know. Why, you ha- why do you have to hang on to everybody then? You also got Hel- Holton Hill, right? So why don't Mike Hughes and Holton Hill take over? I mean, you don't need Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes and Holton Hill and Mike Hughes. Why do you Why do you feel the need to keep Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks? Because there's nobody else. Because Eric Wilson and Ben Gideon and Kentrell Brothers and Devontae Downs and Greer Martini and Rashard Cleat and Cameron Smith, they're not that good. Why is it that everybody was talking about possibly the Vikings are going to lose a guy like Everson Griffin? Maybe they can't hold on to Daniel Hunter. Guess what they did? Why? There's nobody else behind him. Unless you think Hercules Mata'afa, which is a horrible fit for this team. I don't think he was going to be good really anywhere, but he's a tiny dude. I mean, you're going to put a a 6'2", 250-pound guy at defensive end? Come on, man. They have to keep their guys because they have not done a good enough job replacing the guys that they have. And they can't go out in free agency and find guys in free agency because they don't have any money left over to do that. So you can't draft because apparently you can't draft. You can't go out in free agency because you're spending all your money to keep your core guys. Because if you let this thing fall apart, the thing falls apart. If you let the guys walk that should walk, you have nothing left. If you let the cornerbacks go, you don't have cornerbacks. If you let the linebackers go, you don't have linebackers. If you let the edge rushers go, you don't have edge rushers. There's nobody waiting to take over. And so you make the problem worse by spending tomorrow's money to keep guys today. The guys that aren't even going to be there tomorrow. Or aren't going to be contributing tomorrow. This is, this is the absolute worst kind of win now. right? There's the, the sort of win now with a young quarterback which I don't mind as much, because that can kind of be undone, right? Especially with some of these guys who get on short contracts and you've got the contracts kind of staggered. You get to a point where you got to sign the quarterback and it seems like you're going to head for a freight train, but really you just basically let one really expensive guy walk and you draft somebody to kind of replace him and it's an expensive defensive lineman and we've already got six defensive linemen, so if we let a defensive lineman go and let maybe one of our cornerbacks go, we still have a really good defense and we signed our quarterback and we're not in a big cap mess. This is a problem where we have no money because we spent it all last year and we're overpaying guys this year because we had to extend guys last year because we overspent and we overspent because we didn't want to let guys go, guys that we should let go. So we end up overpaying per talent and acquiring talent is all about finding value because there's a salary cap, right? How do you maximize talent? You have to to maximize the dollars, spend less dollars per production, When you're spending more money than somebody's worth, you end up with less value on your team in terms of talent. That's basic math. It has to be that way. I think that would be a really fun project. Coming out with a metric, which I'm sure somebody has, but I would like to do it myself. Coming out with a metric that measures overall value of dollars compared to their value on the football team, which essentially would be 
how good they are with a maybe a position multiplier, which wouldn't even be that hard to do because you can look at average salaries to determine how much of a multiplier you would need, how much more do quarterbacks make than the average position. That's how much general value is attributed to quarterbacks in the NFL. Sorry, I'm just thinking through this as I... (laughs) I think that'd be relatively easy. But I don't think the Vikings would do very well with that. I mean, they've got some talent and they're paying the talent. And again, in, in some cases, they might even be underpaying, which is great. Daniil Hunter at $14 million is probably underpaying. Thielen and Diggs, you could argue, are underpaid. I mean, top wide receivers are, are about to break the $20 million mark. So when we're talking $13, $14 million for top five, top ten wide receivers, that's a steal. But what most teams do is they have to cut other places, right? Okay, we're spending a lot on wide receivers because we got two really good ones. we got to kind of cut our money and, and find creative ways to bring in talent on these positions, Right? We can't really spend $10 bucks on linebackers, especially if they're not get. Oh, you're going to do that too. Okay, well then we got to cut over here. we got to cut over here. And for the Vikings, it's not a matter of cutting. It's just we'll just go massively in debt, which is, again, why they're $12 million in the hole next year before they even sign their guys like their two cornerbacks that are maybe going to be extended. And the whole salary cap is a myth thing. It's absolutely not a myth. Go look at their salary cap next year. That's the problem. That's where the money went. It's not magic. They didn't just sign people with no money because the salary cap's a myth. That's not a myth. They keep doing it because they keep making it worse. It's not like they keep doing it because it's a myth. See, you said they can't do it, and they did. So I guess the salary cap is a myth. You don't know what you're talking about. That would be like me saying, hey, we got to cut back on spending because we don't have the money. And then you take a credit card and go buy a, a plasma television, 70-inch, and it's like, oh, really? I don't have any money? That's funny because I just bought this television. Thought I didn't have money. Hey, you bought it with debt, dummy. Doesn't mean you have money. You just went more into the negative. I don't know. I, I Of all the teams, not that I'm super impressed with the Bears. There's a lot of big question marks, and I don't understand how their GM got as high a praise as they did. I mean, essentially, they they way, they, they way overpaid for, for Khalil Mack as a bottom line. Khalil Mack is not worth what they gave up. The amount of money is, is crippling, but beyond that, they, they still... Even in 2020, they don't have a first-round pick. They didn't pick until the fourth round last year. They're also way over-investing in areas. I just I just don't like what they're doing, and I would not be happy if I was a Bears fan. I would not be happy if I was a Vikings fan because I'm looking at it as, as a Vikings fan saying, I like our team, but this needs to be able to be sustained, and they're not building it in a sustainable way. This thing, we're basically building a situation where we have to win this year or next year or it's over because we have to start a rebuild pretty soon. And they can maintain this if they can draft well enough, if they can get a, enough good, talented draft picks to come in and replace all the guys we're going to have to purge in the next couple of years. But anybody doing that is, is a... I don't know if John Dorsey could even do that because they got to purge a lot. And the Bears don't even have the opportunity to build anything. They don't have any money. They don't have any draft picks. They got nothing. So they, they don't even have the opportunity to go out and draft quality players because they gave up all their draft picks. And hearing people say, oh, well, what would you rather have, a first-round pick or Khalil Mack? I mean, duh. Dude, look at all the picks they gave up. We're talking multiple years of giving up first-round draft picks and beyond first-round draft picks and $25 million a year. I mean, you want to talk about running into a wall, let's take a look at the Bears. And I'm listen, they can win the Super Bowl this year. For all I know, they're going to win it all. But I'm talking about in the future, talking about smacking into a wall. They haven't even paid their quarterback yet. It doesn't seem, this year they didn't have any money and they didn't have any draft picks and they made it work. And they still have a decent amount of cap space right now. 
But this is with only paying Khalil Mack $11.9 million this year. The big money hasn't even hit yet. The highest paid guy on this team is Allen Robinson, which is a joke, by the way, $15 million. But that's pretty good when you only got, you know, one guy making 15 Allen Robinson. Next year, Allen Robinson makes $15 million and is the third highest. So he's way overpaid at $15 million. Kyle Fuller is going to be making seventeen point five, which if he, if he can continue on his trajectory is kind of okay. But I promise you, Kyle Fuller is... Uh, maybe I shouldn't promise, but let's just go with it. I promise you he's going to take a step back losing Vic Fangio, and he's going to be one of the most overpaid cornerbacks in the NFL. He's good. 17.5 is, is we're talking like top five corners. He's not that good. And Khalil Mack goes from 11.9 to $26.6 million. $26.6 million. Leonard Floyd, who is horrible, $13.2 million. Akeem Hicks, 11.8. Eddie Goldman, 10.8. Eddie Goldman is a run-stuffer. Akeem Hicks may be underpaid at 11.8, but Leonard Floyd is massively overpaid. Allen Robinson is massively overpaid. Kyle Fuller is massively overpaid, and I don't care how good Khalil Mack is, 26.6 is a killer. And they're 4.8 in the hole, and again, they haven't even signed their quarterback yet. And they don't need to. Mitch is going to be making 9.2 and earning every dollar of it, but it doesn't get better. Not only are they not going to have a first-round draft pick next year and no money, so again, we're, we're losing... Te- every year, every team is losing somebody, right? Guys are getting older, guys are getting a little bit worse, guys are leaving, guys are getting and poached in, in free agency, and that's the other problem is you can't even sign your own guys. But then in 2021, we got to figure out what to do with Mitch. Are we going to give him his $30 million or, or, you know, 32 35 whatever the, the quarterback money is at that point? Are we going to give him that money or are we moving on? And we're talking about a team that's paying Khalil Mack now $26.6 million, Kyle Fuller $18.5 million, Akeem Hicks $12 million, Eddie Goldman $11.7, Charles Leno $9.9, Bobby Massey $9.3, Trey Burton, I doubt, is going to get his $8.8 million in two years. Taylor Gabriel, 7.5, give me a break. Buster Screen is going to be so long gone by now. But again, we got to figure out what to do. You know, looking at 2020, we've we've lost money, and what are you going to do with Ha Ha Clinton Dix? So we're at negative money. Danny Trevathan, important, right? I don't think he's as good as the hype, but fine. If he is that good, sign him. Give him another $7 million. Ha Ha Clinton Dix, is he that good? If he is, pay him. And guess what? He's not going to take another one-year, $3 million deal if he proves it. You want him again, you're giving him big-time money. Multi-year, six, seven, eight, nine million. Cody Whitehair, do you know how much money Cody Whitehair is going to make? He's going to make a lot of money. He's up for a contract in 2020. Keep in mind, negative money is what they have. Ted Larson is another offensive lineman. I don't know how important he's going to be to the team, but they don't want to lose him. Bullard. Pretty talented guy along that defensive line. Only 27. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson at safety. Nick Kwiatkowski at linebacker. Deion Bush at safety. There's a lot of guys that you don't necessarily want to lose. So, uh, you know, again, and I've, I've already talked about this to some extent, but looking into the future, there's no question in my mind the Packers are built for the future, which is incredible considering that th- this is why I'm beyond impressed with what the Packers have done, particularly Brian Gutekunst, because you're looking at a team that's, getting worse and getting older and guys are just leaving and nothing's nobody's being replaced suddenly this is a young team that um is built on youth <laughs> and its arrow is pointing up even if even if the the packers finish fourth in the division the bears and the vikings and possibly the lions just continue to get worse and the packers they have plenty of money 
You know, the salary cap space is nowhere near as dire as the Vikings or the the Bears. They've got plenty of draft picks. They're just going to keep building. They're just going to keep adding talent because they haven't put themselves in these horrible positions. They haven't gotten a slight taste of success and just gone psycho. They didn't just lose their mind because, ooh, we made the playoffs. We got to freak out. Spend all the money. Give all the draft picks. Keep everybody. Good Lord, you you guys are nuts. You made it to the playoffs. Relax. How are you going to get there next year? How are you going to be there for the next three years? How are you going to be there for the next five years? The only team that seems to care is the Packers. And that's great. Because even if this year we're not the greatest, even if we don't win the division, even if we don't make it into the playoffs, I have every reason to believe, because Brian Gutekunst has done such a fantastic job, that the arrow for the Packers is continuing to trend up and will continue to trend up. Because that's how it's being built. It's being built methodically and intelligently. They're adding a ton of talent. They're adding a ton of free agent talent. They're adding a ton of rookie um, um, draft talent. And it's not at the detriment of anything. It's not at the detriment of the salary cap. Yeah, we don't have a ton of money. We've only got $13.6 million, but it's a lot better than negative. And you figure some of these guys are going to be gone. You take, you know, Jimmy Graham off the list, that's $11.5 million. That's more than enough money to sign our draft picks and patch a couple more holes. And just keep on trucking. Just keep on getting better. Keep on growing. 2019 is going to be a bloodbath. Beyond 2019, it's all Packers, man. I mean, it's not impossible for the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions to figure out a way to make this work, and the Lions aren't in that bad of a situation. They haven't doomed their team. They're just, you know, basically they're doing it the right way, but they just haven't really hit. They're making sure not to break their their salary cap. They're making sure not to do anything super crazy, but they haven't been able to find those key players to make them a success. So I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm very glad and I'm very grateful to see Brian Gutekunst and what he's doing. Um, you know, you disagree all you want, but you know, going crazy in free agency and getting guys like Khalil Mack and all that. And and Gutekunst wanted to get him, and I'm glad he didn't. Supposedly he put a bunch of money on the table. I think that would have been a pretty detrimental thing. I can't imagine uh, this team if we went out and dropped 26 million dollars on the salary cap in 2020. Granted, that's a little less than Sedarius and Preston. <laughs> So maybe it's not that bad when you think of it in those terms. But, um, you know, we, we would not have had Rashawn Gary. We would not have had Darnell Savage because we wouldn't have had a first-round pick to trade last year. We wouldn't have had a first-round pick this year. We would have been the team not drafting until the fourth round, basically. And we wouldn't have a first-round pick next year, and we wouldn't have any salary cap money. It's just not a good way to build a team. Not for long-term sustained success. That's not how you do it. You don't give away all your money and all your draft picks. Anyways, I'm talking in circles. I don't know how we got here. But anyways, rant completed. You folks enjoy your Tuesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.